Tonight, I want you to imagine a dark world. A world that may receive light from a fireplace, a flickering candle, and if you have the money, a whale oil lamp. But this light doesn't go beyond the room. It doesn't go beyond your house. Leaving your house at night was an adventure. Then suddenly, I want you to imagine this world changing. One night, you're able to go out for a walk because of the miracle of gaslights. Now you can see your own world at night in a way you've never seen it before. You can still see this miracle if you look for it, but this miracle may be vanishing. This is Garth in the Lost Cabin, welcoming you to Lost Massachusetts as we go down the gaslit street. So I'm on Marlboro Street in Boston in the Back Bay and I'm looking at something that is becoming more rare all the time. It's a functioning gas light, a functioning gas street lamp. And this street is lined with antique street lamps, but only some of them are working. And so far I've seen three. And I would tell you exactly where they are, but they may not be working by the time you get here. I'd recommend just starting at one end of Marlboro and walking towards the end. And just to be clear, yes, these are not electric devices. These are lamps that are powered by gas and they are on 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And it's always been my understanding that once one of them stops functioning, they don't fix it. And why they keep them on all day, every day for, I guess, over a hundred years uh, is an interesting story. But these are sort of one of the remainants of a very older Boston. Welcome, Lost Massers. Always so nice to talk to you, curious explorers. Before we get into the episode's topic, I want to make note of comments from our listeners and followers. We really appreciate it. In our previous episode, we launched our discussion of possible Viking settlements or landings in Massachusetts. <clears throat> this elicited some immediate responses. Uh, Reinick Zero says, There is zero verified physical cultural evidence of Norse being in or settling anywhere in Mass. Claims of possible sites mean absolutely nothing without being verified by professional subject area experts and further corroborated with known Norse physical culture from that period with studies done on those sites. And followed by a report that has been published, which has been independently peer-reviewed, 
and verified by professional subject area experts, the closest known possible but unfortunately unverifiable physical evidence we have of potential evidence of Norse Danes in New England is the case of the Goddard site on the coast of Maine, a site where it is purported to have yielded the find of an 11th century Norse penny. I uh, did not know about the Goddard site. I will check that out and completely agree with the need for analysis of all of these sites. And that's why we're here. Stay tuned. I Lamont said, Horsford was a nutbag. But if you put up a big enough monument, people will believe whatever fake history it promotes. <laughs> um I Lamont is referencing the inventor who put up the Leif Erikson statue. Hornsford will play in heavily in our future episodes about the Vikings. In reference to our Corn Hill episode, Dean Boner uh, recommended we look at Nathaniel Philbrick's Mayflower. Uh, I will, and thank you for the recommendation. The other day we posted a photo on Instagram at Lost Massachusetts that received a ton of likes and feedback. Some of the most we've gotten for a photo, and it was a picture of an antique garbage can. Yes, we activated many folks' primal memories with a photo of an in-ground, foot-operated refuse bin manufactured in Somerville, Mass. by the F.B. Jones Company. If you had one of these, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We got two notes from Rick and Walpole. One was about the haunted clock tower that is for sale in Walpole and Washington Street. He says he drives by it every day and he tried to convince his wife to buy it with no luck. The other note refers to an incident I recorded in a previous episode involving a chicken that I must apologize for. You see, I found a chicken wandering near a baseball field, so I called animal control because I was honestly worried it would get eaten by a coyote or run over by a car. According to Rick, the chicken's name is Dodger, and all the kids loved her. I am so sorry I deprived the kids of their beloved chicken. Anyway, I just sent out a stack of brand new postcards. If you are on our list, look for them. If you are interested in getting a postcard from a lost Massachusetts place, keep listening and I will give you the information for how to sign up. Now, let's learn a new archaic word. Archaic words from my New Century Dictionary double volume set published 1927. Caitiff, C A I T I F F, captive, also wretched, also base, despicable, mean, captive, a wretched person. Also a base, despicable person, a wretch, one who is mean and wicked, caitiff.
I want you to consider the place where you live, your house and the street outside. Try and picture it with no lights at night. Maybe you have lived through a blackout and know what it does look like. This world of our house and streets being lit up at night is actually a very recent one. The house I lived in was built in 1915 and there was no electricity or telephone in the original design. They were all retrofitted later and several times over. I have pulled out the most ridiculous network of knobs and tubes over the years. There were no street lights on the road that it was originally laid out as. Uh, this would have been the norm for most people throughout history. Any nighttime lighting was up to you. And this was actually very dangerous. The most devastating fires in civilization were started in one home when a candle or lamp got knocked over and rapidly spread from one wood house to another. In this respect, electricity has also been about safety just as much as it's been about convenience. Physical safety at night in cities has always been a concern, so many streets were lit for centuries with buckets of burning animal fat that smelled really bad and produced lots of smoke. Night watchmen carrying lamps through the streets have been a mainstay throughout civilization. Gas lighting began to appear in American cities at the end of the 1700s. Newport, Rhode Island was the first place in the U.S. to get gas street lights in 1803. Boston's gas lights started appearing in 1828 around the Haymarket. Before that, many American cities were lit with whale oil. This was the demand that drove Massachusetts' whaling industry, made many sea captains rich, made many women widows, inspired the novel Moby Dick, and, well, killed a lot of whales. The whale oil market collapsed when oil and gas deposits were found in various places. Gas lighting was uh, something like three times cheaper than whale oil. If you have any experience with gas yourself, you know that it needs to be safely turned on, safely lit, and safely turned off when you are done. Imagine having to do this every night for thousands of streetlights. Cities had an army of what they called, well, lamplighters. Sometimes they would climb ladders to turn the gas on and light it, but frequently they employed a system of poles that would allow them from the street to open the glass, turn a knob, and pass a flame up. They fired all the lamplighters because someone figured out it was cheaper to leave the gas lights on 24 hours a day than pay guys to go around lighting them every night. If you look carefully at Boston's gas lamps in the day, you can see them glowing. Gas lights are associated with historic neighborhoods because as cities expanded, especially after the Civil War, Electric streetlights became the standards, so much of Boston has always had electric streetlights. Since we're all familiar with the concept of streetlights because there are electric lights now everywhere, it's not too hard to imagine them powered by gas, oil, or even candles. But I want to put a vision in your mind of a lighting system that would seem completely alien to us now, but existed in many cities a moonlight tower. What is a moonlight tower? Moonlight towers were massive structures, 160 feet tall. So instead of hundreds or thousands of individual streetlights, 
Cities would erect one or several extremely powerful floodlights to light up cities from high above. Imagine the lighting from a baseball field, but much taller and brighter, shining down on you like a dozen small suns at night. These were mostly put in Midwestern cities, and people didn't like them. They created a strange and surreal atmosphere with weird shadows and faint fairy-like glowing if you were far away from the tower. The only place I'm aware that has any functioning moon towers, and it's for historical purposes, is Austin, Texas. There were no moon towers in Boston. So let's get back to our local gaslights. So I found 14 functioning gas lights along the length of Marlboro Street. And this is a worthwhile trip to see if you can find them too. Maybe you can find more than me. Maybe this is a, a scavenger hunt. Uh, but if you want to see some great Boston architecture, some awesome gorgeous, well-maintained gardens in the front of people's brownstones. Um, this is the place to go. Get off of Beacon Street, get off of Com Ave, and go down Marlboro. You're going to see a great place. And this is definitely, this is, this is off the tourist track. It's probably in tourist books to go down the street instead. And you may also notice that the intersecting streets are alphabetical. First one is Arlington, Berkeley, Clarendon, Dartmouth, Exeter, Fairfield, Gloucester, and um, but then it ends. Doesn't I don't think it does the whole alphabet. These holdovers from a bygone era may be doomed. Despite efforts to maintain them for their historical aesthetic, the city of Boston wants to remove all of them proactively. The city claims they cause pollution and probably more on the spot they cost the city millions of dollars every year. The lamps break throughout the year because of storms and people backing their vehicles into the poles. If you have ever tried to park in town, you know what I mean. There are just under 3,000 gas lights left in Boston, that's a lot. Uh, the current plan is to replace all the gas lamps with LEDs that resemble the gas fixtures. Some of these are already out there and you have to look carefully to see the difference. Residents of Beacon Hill and Back Bay, where most of the remaining lights are, have strong feelings either way. Personally, I am of the opinion that a portion of the gas lights should be maintained and operated for historical purposes. I've added a poll to this episode to find out how people feel about this issue. Please take a moment to answer it. In the meantime, make a point of visiting the gas lit area before any changes are made. You are seeing what is left of a lost period of time that could be erased forever. I'll give you directions to the spots after the commercial. Directions to see the gas lights in Boston. My recommendation is to go on a warm autumn night or a snowy night if you can make it work. 
I spoke specifically about Marlboro Street, which is in the back bay between Arlington Street and Mass Ave. Marlboro is parallel to Com Ave and Beacon Street. You might be able to find additional gas lights on nearby streets in the back bay. You can get to these areas from either the Arlington Street Station on the Green Line or Copley Square or Heinz Convention Center. On Beacon Hill, you can look for them on Charles Street and on side streets up the hill, on the flat of the hillside, and over in the West End. But this isn't just a downtown thing. You can see many in Charlestown's Gaslight District. If you're going over to the Warren Tavern, you can definitely see them at uh, Thompson Square near Bunker Hill. There are gas lights in Jamaica Plain. Look for one on Union Street in Roxbury at 195 Boston Street. I've seen them in Southie and other places as well. And I know Boston is not the only place in Massachusetts with functioning gas lights. Worcester has gas lights too. If you know of a gas light you want mentioned or listed, send it to us. Thanks for joining us on a stroll down Boston's gas-lit streets. Next time on Lost Massachusetts, we're going to peel back a curtain you probably look at all the time and show you a hidden world that exists behind it. Until then, this is Garth in the Lost Cabin saying, put out that candle before you go to sleep. Hey, if you like the show for some reason, there are lots of ways you can join the fun or get a hold of us. You can message Lost Mass through the podcast apps on Anchor. There's a voice option. Or you can go to lostmassachusetts.com and subscribe to our blog or use the various methods there to contact us. If you go to lostmassachusetts.com, you can also sign up to get a postcard from a lost place and find out where to send us a lost postcard too. Also go to Lost Massachusetts at uh, Instagram for photos and other details. We will do our best to respond to comments uh, directly uh, as well as within the show. You might hear um, your own comment. That's fun. <laughs>